Okay, well, I just had this thought that I was re-listening to our first episode, and I was shocked at how many hours your kids had played Minecraft. At the time, you said 1,200. And I had said, wow, I, that, I really want to look up my kids because I bet they've played that many hours too. So I have the numbers. Okay. I want to compare them. But do you have an update? Is yours more than 1,200 um, now? Because I think it was an estimate last time. I don't have the PlayStation numbers, but... Um, I have the switch numbers, which is where now it's where they mostly play. But I would say tack on about 500 to whatever I tell you if I'm okay. Yeah, let's start with you because you said 1200 back in January. So what is it now? Okay, with the and we'll add 500 to it. Okay, so we're gonna have to do a little bit of brief math here. But um, okay, here, I'll get a calculator out because I'm not I ain't doing no math. And actually 500 is going to be low because I I totally forgot Andrew plays on PlayStation as well. So probably add a thousand at least probably probably more. And and I know this is rough math, but on Jake's switch profile, 365 hours of Minecraft. Okay. On Sam's profile, we have 415 hours of Minecraft. Okay. And then on mine, I'm skipping Steph's and Andrew's. You love Minecraft and you put you put thousands of hours in. Uh, 1,170. 170. Okay. Now we're going to add 1,000 to that. I think that's been conservative, honestly. Oh, okay. Well, you're at 19. You're about 2,000 right now. You're at 1,950. So if we add 1,000, you're at uh, 3,000. Yeah. And I honestly so, think that's probably low. Yeah. Now, my kids play on Xbox, and it actually calculates the number of days. Yeah. I converted them to hours already, but just for fun, I'm going to convert yours to days. So that's 125 days your kids have played Minecraft. Now, we're talking a 24-hour day. So really, if we we added some sleep in there, uh, that's almost a year's worth of time that they played Minecraft. Now, I'm not saying this in a judgmental way because my numbers the numbers of hours my children play are just as bad. And I had said in our first episode, I was embarrassed to be a dad and we were going to do this to see who was the worst dad. And I think we're both pretty equal because my kids mainly play on Xbox and I only have those numbers, but they played a ton back in the day on the Wii U and I don't have those hours. So I could probably add a thousand hours to that as well. So Lucy plays 211 She's my oldest. She just turned 18 today. She's an adult now, so I can't look up her numbers anymore. I got this message from Xbox saying, hey, Lucy now um, is an adult and you can't manage her account anymore. (laughs) Would you still like her to have access to your credit card? I was like, no, thank you very much. Anyway, that was a fun milestone in gaming. I've never experienced that before. Yeah. So I just thought I'd throw that in as a side note. And then Haley played 658. And Ruby's played 1,485 for 2,354. And if I add 1,000 to that for the Wii U time, my kids are at 3,354. And we both estimated you know, right. a little bit there, but we're both around the 3,000 hours. So I think it's too close to call who's the worst at. I mean, I do have four kids, though. So if we do it per kid, Brett. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always losing in the game of life and in the game of fit dad game dad. You know, okay. I'll take a loss here. I, I know I'm the worst dad. You're a great dad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. My, my, maybe, wait, 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 wait. Maybe I'm the best dad because my kids game more than you. There you go. It, 
depends on the lens we're looking this yeah at. yeah mine minecraft has raised our our kids so more than we have <laughs> but what can you say uh, at least it's a creative game right i mean i'm impressed with some of the stuff they do in it um you know there's there's definitely this element of creativity and they do a lot of it online with friends and it's a lot of it's a lot of it's just socializing so let me ask you this your kids are a little bit older than mine on the whole um do they play like the same do they play creative let me ask that first yes they play creative now Haley doesn't play much anymore ruby or lucy my oldest like i said 211 hours that's she probably got that years ago because i'm not these numbers are historical you know um and yeah but it's all creative and ruby the youngest one is the one who plays a a ton so when they play creative do they do they build off the same world or are they creating new worlds all the time they used to when they first started Minecraft. It was all about creating new worlds, and there was dozens and dozens of them. And recently, the one that Ruby showed me tonight, she's been working on for a year. Okay, this one world. Now she has other worlds that she goes with her friends, and sometimes she'll let her friends come to this world she's working on. But she's very particular about it, and she doesn't want things to get messed up. But she, yeah, she's been working on it for a year. So I wish my kids would do that. However, mm. my kids a lot of times will create a new world almost every time they play like they have, they have a couple that they've been working on for a while, but it's gotten to the point I would have never thought of this before, but it's gotten to the point where when they go to load up Minecraft, it's crashed before because it can't load all the worlds they've created. And we've had to go in and just delete hundreds of worlds and wow. I've had to lecture my kids, my young kids about, you can't do this. You're overloading it because it's trying to preload everything beforehand. And it would load to like 40% and then just stall out. Um, so every like every like six months or so, we have to go over this again. And they're getting better. Like I asked the other day, I was like, how many worlds do you have? And, and Jake, who's uh, six, was like, uh, I have, um, I think he's like, I have 12 or 14 I'm like okay that's okay oh oh that's better oh that see that's an example of good parenting you took something that they were not doing well that needed to be fixed and you taught them how to fix it and they did the difference is i guess a few generations ago we were telling our kids hey don't play in the mud and now we're telling them hey don't create 200 levels on minecraft yeah ridiculous <laughs> either way they're learning yeah ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> that's crazy though that's totally totally that's a difference between boys and girls too because mine, you know, obviously your boys, uh, and I think this is true of a lot of boys, and I've said this before, a lot of us by nature are, um, you know, hyperactive, and we've given it a label and a name, ADHD, and, and there is definitely a medical condition, but sometimes I think that's overused. Sometimes it's just being a boy, and I think just boys and girls play differently. So, yeah, there's that. Yeah, too. for sure. Anyway, so enough talk about um, Minecraft. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't want to talk about that anymore. So we are here mid-year. So should we start this mid-year review? I guess we should. Doc, get on your bicycle. Mac, put on your pink hoodie and high tops, and let's get this thing going.
your head, Bob. Yeah. Okay. So this is a little bit of a special episode. We normally do a monthly episode, and this one is kind of right in the middle of our monthly episode because we are halfway through the year. So if you listen to our first episode back in January, we not only set, uh, well, I guess in our first one, we didn't set monthly goals. We just set our yearly goals. So now we're doing a check-in. We're going to see how things have been going um, and then kind of discuss how this first half of the year has looked both for gaming and for fitness, and then look forward to the second half of the year. Um, so Brett, let's just, I have been looking forward to this episode because after we talk about our two yearly goals, we're going to kind of talk about one of my favorite things about gaming, the anticipation. I mean, playing games is great, but man, there's, so one of the, my favorite things was getting the Nintendo Power magazine in the mail. Yes, every month back when I was a kid. And just that that was the Internet back then. That's how you found out what games were coming out. And that was sometimes more fun than playing the games. And sometimes I have a lot of fun just browsing the Internet or in the summer in particular. This is a great time to do this because there's been a lot of uh, the Summer Games Fest and announcements from different companies. So I'm super excited for the show. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Well, and isn't, isn't that just the way it is? Like if you listen to a lot of gaming podcasts, like they will talk about a game for months and months and months or a new console or whatever is in the future. They will talk about it forever. And then after mm-hmm. it's been out like a week, it's like, oh, that's old news. We're already looking forward to the next <laughs> thing, right? That's right. That's just kind of the, I mean, that's the nature of the business is the, what's next, what's around the corner. Uh, so there definitely is something to be said about the hype of video games and, and always looking, always looking forward. Um, so yeah, so this, this will be fun. Okay. So Brett, let's dive right in and let's talk about what our yearly fitness goal is and let's uh, give an update. Do you want to start? Well, I guess I will start because I'll get the um, bad news out of the way first. My yearly fitness goal is is not going well. And before I tell you what it is and how I'm doing, it's worth noting that we're still, this episode, there's opportunities still to earn points. And oh, these are XP points that we do during our regular episode that help us level up. And if we made some progress... Even if it's just a teeny bit towards our yearly goal, you get five points. If you made it halfway through your yearly goal, you get 10 points. That's two levels. Well, I have made zero progress with my fitness goal, which is so interesting to me um, because we were talking before the show that one thing that you um, have struggled with this month so far, and we'll talk about it in detail at the end of July, is exercise. And I had mentioned, that's the one thing I have going for me. My eating's been horrible since January, pretty much, but my gaming's been good, my exercise has been good. But my yearly fitness goal was to get my body mass index 25 or under. Well, it's gone up like seven-tenths of a point. I mean, that doesn't sound like a lot, but that equates for me to about 10 pounds of body fat. So it just holds true the old adage that I love, that I share with you and sometimes forget, 
is that you can't outrun your fork. So I ran on the treadmill tonight. I've been exercising a lot. I hit 20 days of exercise last month. I'm on pace to do it again this month. But I've got to slow down my fork, Josh. So I'm giving myself zero points. And one thing we said is that um, if our goals were too hard or if they just needed, or for whatever reason, whether they're too hard or too easy or just we're just not on pace at all, um, if we need to tweak them at the mid-year, we're going to do that. And I'm going to tweak mine. Okay. Uh, I just, I don't see any way I'm going to get to 25 or under with how bad I've been at eating. So basically, I just want to get back to 26. I'm at 26.9 right now. And I would love to be at 25.9. So maybe let's let's do that. Let's make it a little more challenging for me. Um, let's get my, my yearly goal I'm changing now to 25.9 BMI. And I've just got really got to focus on the eating. So that's my yearly check-in. I hope yours is better than mine. Why don't you tell me about your yearly check-in? or your mid-year check-in for your yearly goal, fitness goal. Yeah, there you go. Um, okay, so my fitness goal was to lose 50 pounds. Now, before I made the goal, I was debating between 40 and 50 because I was like, I think, I, I think 40 is attainable, 50 is going to push me. So year, year or mid-year so far, I'm down 28. That sounds great because you're thinking, oh, halfway through the year, you're over halfway done, you're on track. Um, mm-hmm. yes, you get 10 points. Yes. Mathematically you do mathematically. But a but yes, you. there, there, yes, there, there's a, but, and the, but is if anyone that's heavy and that has lost weight, you, you know, that that first month is when you're going to lose the most. Right. And so taking that into account, I need to pick up the pace. Um, and so I, I'm a little nervous about, I'm very nervous about that yearly goal of 50 pounds <laughs> now. Hey, I was honest. Your turn to be honest. Now be honest. I'm, I'm not going to change it. I'm going to keep it there because I, I do need something to strive for. Um, but if I don't get it, if I hit 40 by year's end, I'm not going to cry over it. Now, if year end happens and I'm sitting around where I am now, if I'm like, 30, 25, 30, 35, I'm not going to be happy about that. Uh, but 40 or above, I will be uh, very pleased with, but I'm still aiming for 50. We'll just have to see because that's going to be a push. However, uh, I've talked about how I've had a couple setbacks. So to have a couple setbacks and still be more than halfway is good. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I really need to kick things in, in gear to hit that 50. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, if you hit the 40 at the end of the year, let's definitely give you five points. Cause that would, is a, is a number that would make you feel good and you wouldn't be like you said, upset about. And if you hit the 50, boom, you get the 10 points. So either right. way, it's a win-win for you. I think if we structure it that way for your last, the last half of this year, but great job on the 28 pounds. I understand why why you're nervous, uh, but I totally believe in you. I think you can hit the 50. Yeah, I I hope so. Um, definitely, I've had ha- hit a little stretch where I've plateaued a little bit, and I need to get over that hump. But uh, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna go for it. So we'll see where it goes. Nice. Um, so so yeah, so that's good on the whole. Uh, let's mm-hmm. switch gears though. And let's talk about our gaming goals. This is kind of a fun time to to look back and 
and see what was your gaming goal for the year. All right. My gaming goal was to beat 10 games, but five of them had to be Assassin's Creed. And I don't want to rehash too much why this is my goal. Um, but I've tried to play these older Assassin's Creed games many times. And this felt like quite a stretch for me because five games from one uh, genre or, not, or, or series is, is a lot because there can be some burnout like, okay, this is starting to just be too similar or whatever. So um, let me tell you how I'm doing. I have beaten seven games this year and four of them have been Assassin's Creed games. So I definitely get my 10 points. Like I said, a minute ago, I've been doing much better with my gaming goal and my fitness goal, but not my eating goal. So uh, I'm going to go ahead, since I made my fitness yearly goal easier, I'm going to go ahead and make this one a little harder. I'm I'm further along than I thought I would be. So I'm going to bump that up to 15 games, five of which... We're going to be Assassin's Creed games. I'm going to say six because I'm going to throw in Mirage. I like that. So I am bumping it up to 15 games. Two more of them will have to be Assassin's Creed because I've already beat four. So that would make the six. And I'm looking at kind of what games I'm going to play. And I think I've got eight more in there that I can beat between now and the end of the year. So anyway, wish me luck. Well, okay. So I like this. This has got me excited just because of the fact that you've played <laughs> so much Assassin's Creed already and you didn't have to add to it, but you're like, you know, I, and granted, I get the whole fact that you've played all these old ones. So why wouldn't you want to play Mirage? Like that makes sense. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know that I'd be able to play so many games of the same series in one year. And I remember um, years ago, because we've we've been setting goals long before we've had a podcast, right? Uh, I remember years ago you shared a spreadsheet with me where you were going to play all the Metroid games, and I don't know how <laughs> many you got through one or two before you burned out. Uh, um, yeah, but so when, I only got through two, and we talked about this in our first episode in January, and you've brought this up twice. So I think this should be my goal next year. My yearly goal is to beat all the other Metroid games. Well, it's just interesting because when you set that Assassin's Creed goal, it just brought back the memories of Metroid. I'm like, Oh, like, okay, good, good on you. I ho- hope you can do it. And you yeah. have just been killing that. So that's been awesome. <laughs> oh, it's been so fun. I just love that series. It's my favorite series. And we've talked about that. It was one of the quiz questions once I think right. real quick though, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the Metroid because of the eight games I need to play to get my new yearly goal, I was going to throw in Metroid Prime, the remastered one. I think I'm going to wait on that now because I think it might be more fun for that to be part of my yearly goal to play all the Metroid Prime games again. Oh, okay. Anyway, I'm going to think about that. So. You're going to have to give some thought well, to that because anyway. we've, we've tinkered with the idea because we both have it in our backlog of doing it like as a co-op type thing, which, hey, if you want to make it a yearly goal, go for it. Um but yeah, it, it, but if you play it, I don't know if I'd be able to resist not playing along because I have played it before and you haven't. And it's one of those games where you love so much. You want to uh, go along on the journey and, and, and experience it firsthand. 
or you know with someone who's experiencing it firsthand for the first time so you can kind of remember some of those feelings you had and I'm kind of regretting that I didn't do that when you just replayed Red Dead 2 because that's the game you really want me to play you just finished it last month and it was one of the goals you had mentioned on our first podcast that you were going to hopefully try and beat this year and so I'll let you talk about your gaming goals here but I I regret that I I do need to play Red Dead Redemption 2 that's got to be a that's got to be one of my my goals here soon yeah, that's that's a hard thing with gaming is, is I can think of so many games where I'm like, oh, I got to play this soon. I got to play that soon. And and like we've talked about, there are times where like I'll be like, OK, I'm playing this next month. And then when I get to that point, five other things have occupied my <laughs> my brain capacity. And that's kind of been what's been happening with with Metroid. And one of the things that I will talk about later, so I'm not going to really talk about it much now but there's a game that I am anticipating and I'm trying to keep my slate clean for when it comes out. So I'm right now um, trying to time things out appropriately, but I, I think the game that I'm playing now won't last forever. And so I'm going to have some time. So Metroid prime being a shorter game might get slotted in over the next month or two, but, Ooh. but it, it's just all going to be on how timing plays out. So, cause I don't want to be halfway yeah. through it and put it down. Well, that timing wouldn't work for me cause I'm in the middle of cyberpunk and I'm going to be at it for a while. Yeah. So yeah, go for it. I, I, if, if you think you can squeeze it in before that game, but what other games have you beat this year and what was your overall yearly gaming goal? Okay. So my yearly gaming goal is pretty simple and it's so simple that five minutes before we started recording, I thought I knew what it was and I was wrong because I went back to the notes of the first episode. I thought my yearly gaming, and I've thought this for months, I thought my yearly gaming goal was 10 games, which doesn't seem like a lot, but I knew I'd have some bigger games in there. I thought it was 10. And uh, just to give an update, I'm doing really well because I've already beat nine. So I've been been actually thinking for months, like I'm almost at it. However, my yearly gaming goal was one month, was 12. Um, oh, 12. And this is why you write down your goals. Yes. So you can go back and look what they were. Yeah. And, and so what, what I did when I made that goal is I kind of looked at the last handful of years and I've been sitting between like 16 to 25 games, somewhere in that range. And then I looked at some of the games that I had on my radar and some of them were longer. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to be, I don't want to be a podcaster that puts pressure on himself to play all the time. I want to just play for enjoyment and I want to play what I want to play when I want to play. So I said, I'm going to keep it simple and, and say 12. I'm feeling pretty good about that. Cause I think I'm at nine or 10. I, I know I'm at least at nine, but, but I'm not sure if it's nine or 10. Anyways, I'm really close, which is great. I'm not going to adjust it though. Mm-hmm. I was just about to ask because okay, the second fair. half of the year is going to make, uh, could make, if I play uh, one of these games to completion could make it difficult. Uh, So I'm sticking with 12 feeling good about where I am. I've uh, played a good mixture of short and long games. Um, I think one of the first games I was playing was uh, day of reckoning on the GameCube, which was a wrestling game that was pretty short. I've had other short games like, uh, if you, I don't think you can see it on screen, but the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade that was obviously like hour and a half. Oh, but it counts. oh you counted that? Oh yeah, Very we good. we ran credits there. Um, yeah, nice. But then I've had other games like uh, God of War Ragnarok, uh, Red Dead Redemption Two, as we've mentioned, uh, which have 
you know, been pretty, pretty beefy. And then a handful of other games that were, um, you know, probably 20 to 30 hours each too. So, uh, so yeah, feeling good about it. I feel like I've played a lot. And one of the things that I've talked with on the podcast and talked with you offline is just how the nature of how I've been playing has been, uh, changing. One of the ways that I really, really like to play recently is, uh, playing remote play and playing everything, just about everything in handheld. There'll be times where I will sit on my couch staring at the TV (laughs) and I will be playing in handheld. Um, That's that's awesome. So I just... You love that handheld. I just love that the tech is working so well for you that you feel like it's still a good experience on handheld. That's that's made me happy. So with playing remote play on the Logitech G Cloud in my own house or my Wi-Fi... And, you know, different people could have different experiences based on their own Wi-Fi, based on where they're playing, whatnot. I would say 95% of the time, if not more, is flawless. Like you wouldn't even know. There have been a couple times where there have been hiccups, um, but not enough that I've got frustrated. So if it's really having an issue, um, I've either just restarted, you know, come down and power cycled my router or just played on the TV or just set it down. But that's really not been the norm. Uh, it's fast to get started and it just feels good. It plays good. It's responsive. So yeah, it's the nature of how, how I play has really changed, but it's really helped me fit in more stuff by being able to play handheld. So yeah, so that's, that's a long winded way of saying I am on track for my gaming goal. Uh, on track enough that you earn another 10 points and so that's 20 points that is four levels my friend i only got 10 so two for me so that puts me two more levels behind you coming into this episode i was two levels behind so i'm now four levels behind you that's the farthest i've ever been behind but these end of year or these mid-year and end of year goals count for a lot of points right so, and we're going to check back in at the end of July, and I think I'm going to be able to make up some ground, but I, I have a lot of work to do in these last six months, but kudos to you, Mr. Uh, four Levels Ahead of Me. Nice job. Okay. So, uh, tell me about, um, so th- that that's it. We only set two goals, right? Um, right? So, we wanted to use the rest of our podcast to kind of talk about some different things, and we've broken it down into two more sections. So we're going to talk about in our next section, some of our favorite gaming moments of the year. And then we're going to talk about upcoming games. So you want to lead us into what we're going to talk about next, sir? Yeah. So we're going to take, like you said, a deeper dive and we're going to talk first about some of the favorite gaming moments we've had over the last six months. Um, And yeah, I'll just start off. Obviously talked about this last little bit but replaying red dead redemption 2 has been a definite highlight um being my favorite game of all time and the fact that how to say this i feel like now there are so many good games out there that i don't replay games like i did when i was a kid when i was a kid and i had an nes and i had a library of five six games you know you'd play Mario over and over and over. You'd play Tetris over and over. I mean, you'd get really good at these games because you just kept playing them over and over and over. And now people have 
bigger libraries. People have things like Xbox Game Pass. You know, we just have access to so many more games and there's just this constant barrage of games that we just can't keep up. You know, I, I think if, if podcasting was around 30 years ago, no one would be talking about gaming backlogs. They'd be talking about how they've <laughs> mastered these games, right? Hmm. That's interesting. I never thought of that. So now, though, a lot of times you beat a game and it's what's next, what's next, working on my backlog, whatever. Um, so to step back and say to heck with everything else, I'm going to play a 90, 100 hour game again uh, <laughs> was great. Like, I loved it. I'm so glad I did it. Um, there was a lot of missions that were brand new. And then there was a lot that was that I had forgotten. And then there's just a lot that I remembered. And it just flooded me back with memories of how much I enjoyed it the first time and how much I was enjoying it again. Uh, so for me, a well, definite highlight would be Red Dead. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, talk about too how uh, one great thing about some of these games that you've replayed over the years is they have multiple styles of gameplay and so red does have an option where you can kind of be the good guy and make good choices or you can be the outlaw so i i got texts from you and i know you played it differently this second time so that added to the replayability but talk a little bit about that yeah that so cool. so and i won't say the first time that i played just as a good guy like i think probably the first time playing the original red dead i played mostly as a good guy when I played Red Dead 2 the first time, I kind of did a mix, but then near the end, I tried to be as good as possible. Uh, this go-round, I just I just embraced the villain role. Like, if I'm out in the country riding my horse and I pass somebody, you know, you might see someone on the side of the road. There's all these random encounters, right? You might see someone that has got their leg trapped in a, you know, in a animal trap, right? And they're like, help me, help me, help me. So I would go over. I'd help them like, oh, thank you. You're a lifesaver. Then I'd pull out my gun and shoot them and then rob them. <laughs> so, so morbid, man. So, and, and, and I did stuff like that throughout the whole, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to be a, just, I'm just going to embrace the villain role. And it actually has a meter, you know, if you're good or if you're bad and it will influence when you go into town, how people react to you. And I was just bad. And it got to the point that early on in the game, I was having, you'd, uh, if you do bad things and people see you, there is bounties that are put on your head. I was to the point where I couldn't pay off the bounties early in the game because I just didn't have enough money. So then I'd go and try and rob people. But you rob someone and a lot of times you get like 55 cents and you have like a $200 bounty. So I was like, I got to go rob a whole bunch more people, you know. And <laughs> and so, you know, stealing horses and, uh, you know capping fools left and right in the in the head um but yeah i just embraced the bad role and it was a lot of fun well that probably sounds like a little more accurate representation of the times anyway in which the game is set well yeah i mean really your your character is a bad guy um and i think sometimes what these what these games do so well is they kind of make you uh, I guess, feel for these characters and try and see a different side of them. I think that's one of the smart ways that video games really get you to embrace these different roles is they try and make you sympathetic of, of a character that maybe you wouldn't be otherwise. And so when you're with this gang of outlaws and you're spending all this time with them and you play as this one character for most of the game, 
you do get sympathetic to him. And so there's part of you that wants, wants to bring out the good in him. It's almost like star Wars and how Luke is trying to find the good in, in Darth, right? Like he's trying to, Mm -hmm. trying to see through all the Darth Vader and see the Anakin in him. And that's kind of what I think most people try and do in a game like Red Dead is they try and find the uh, the human aspect of this character, you know, see the good type thing. And yeah, I mean, that's fun, but it's also just fun to just say, OK, I'm the bad guy. I rob trains. You know, I I'm a thief. I steal uh, and, you know, I'm just going to be the bad character. And that was fun. Mm hmm. I'm so glad you brought that up that most people try to find the good in these characters because I read somewhere once that these kind of games that have that kind of meter um, or other games that will will give you a choice between a good thing and a bad thing, kind of like a role-playing game, that the vast majority of people choose the good versus the bad, which is interesting because you think, okay, in in real life, you would never make these choices. So here's your chance in the virtual world to to do these things. So why why are you still making the good choices? Um, For me anyway, and I don't know why statistically um, it pans out this way, but I know for me, when I make a bad choice in the game, I still feel a little guilty about it. I still have that human element because I am connected to these characters. And I do have, at least for me, I, I, I hope that I have kind of a moral compass and center and it just... It's still, even though I know it's fake, it still feels wrong to make these choices because I really do am immersed enough that I feel like I am this character. I, I, it is a representation right. of me. Right. And, 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 and I totally agree with that. And I would say, you know, the vast majority of times when I play games like this, I do take the good guy role. Um, and what's interesting, one of the things that they do in Red Dead is when you do something really bad, the music changes and it's this dark <laughs> kind of music. Like it just makes you, it just makes you feel kind of dirty. Right. Like when, like yeah. when, when you save someone and then you, you know, cap them in the head right after you take them out of, out of the bear trap or whatever. Um, yeah. This mu- the music will change and it kind of changes the mood and you're like, Oh man, I really am a bad guy. I'm a villain here. Um, uh, so yeah, it's it's interesting how they know how to play with your emotions by really sucking you into the setting by creating a world, you know, by playing the different music, and that's just a credit to you know a, a good game is if they can make you feel this different array of emotions. Such a good segue. I was going to talk about my favorite gaming moment. My first one was going to be Assassin's Creed, but I'm going to segue to my second game, Watch Dogs Two. Because a what you said is key, a good game does this well. A bad game makes it so that those choices uh, where, where, where you're choosing good and bad um, don't uh, they don't affect you emotionally, right? And it doesn't feel as authentic. And so even though one of my favorite gaming moments was playing Watch Dogs 2, Let me start with why that was one of my favorite moments. It's because I've started this game for three times because I loved the first one and I just thought I'd never play it. You have some of those games on your backlog where you just think, I'm never going to get to it. And it was not on my list to play. I did a Josh Stapleton. Josh Stapleton will sometimes just pull out a random game and that's what I did with this and I finished it. But what I didn't like about this game is that the main villains 
were these corporations like Google, and it takes place in Silicon Valley. And so you don't have Google because obviously it's copyrighted, right. but you have, I think, I think it's called Noodle. Oh, you know, geez, and it has yeah. the same, yeah, it has the same look, logo, and things like this. And you're, you know, the whole game is centered around information, digital information, and how these corporations are are gathering dig, digital information without our knowledge and using it for malicious purposes and exploiting us and all these kinds of things. And you're you're this vigilante, this tech vigilante, who's trying to take down these giant corporations and and undiscover this or yeah, um, discover this um, conspiracy. But anyway. The villains you face are, are the bad guys, so to speak. A lot of times in other games, they're henchmen of these bad guys. They're these mobsters. They're these gangsters. They're people that you know are doing bad things. They're they're killing people. They're hurting people. They're you know robbing places. Um, these characters are just security guards at a corporation. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, well, this is just some blue collar worker. And I'm going in there with an AK-47 and killing all these people. <laughs> And it felt so wrong, but there was no moral or there was no consequence for making bad choices other than the police got called, which caused, which triggered a, you had to escape the area and they would send in these helicopters and it was a pain in the butt to try and break the line of sight. So that was the only really consequences you had to escape from these cops that were chasing you, but it's not like you went to jail or anything like that. Uh, and it's not like you lost experience points, but it just felt so wrong. But what? drove me nuts about this game is that there's this huge array of weapons but all of them except one are lethal and one of the fun things about a shooting game is trying out all the different weapons and so at first i was excited to like oh i'm gonna buy i saved up all my money i'm gonna buy this really cool gun but then i'd get so frustrated because it just felt so wrong to kill these security guards and then I would and then it would trigger the chase thing, which I hated. So I ended up beating this game only using one weapon. And it was a like a shock gun. You know, it just kind of shocked right. the guys. And they would <laughs> it caused a problem on the last mission because there were they wake up eventually from being shocked. And then they go back to hunting you down. So you have to move through the levels really, really fast. Well, I on the last level, it was fine until the last level when there were so many bad guys and so many things you're trying to do that they kept waking up on me and I was, and I, but I didn't want to get out my gun and kill him for all the reasons I mentioned a minute ago. Um, so anyway, I thought it'd be interesting for me to share that after Red Dead, uh, because it, it shows that that particular game, they didn't do a good job of creating the good versus evil dynamic there. And that distracted me from the game and I wasn't as immersed in it, but overall it was still a great gaming experience because the gameplay was fun he has lots of gadgets and there's some cool you know he's a tech guy so he hacks into all these different things to try and uh to computers and security cameras and forklifts and all and all kinds so that the gameplay element was pretty fun and i absolutely love the setting of san francisco the first game was set in chicago and both games really made me feel like I was in those cities. I've been to both of those cities in real life. And although they're much miniature versions of them, obviously not to scale, they do capture the um, characters of those cities. So that that for me was a lot of fun to be in uh, playing in, in those settings. So, so let me ask you this. Do you think if you were playing a game maybe that had um, more of a fantasy aspect to it, maybe less realism, you know, maybe a game like destiny where you're 
outer space type thing. Do you think if you were fighting aliens, that that whole kind of moral compass of these are just security guards, do you think that would kind of wash away? Do you think it's a fact that they created a world that felt so real that it led you to kind of feel kind of dirty about it? Is that... I, I agree with your statement and assessment 100%. I think it was a fantasy world that I didn't already have a connection to in my real life that it would not feel the same at all. It, it was that this was a real city. This is San Francisco. It looks like the city I've been to. It looked like Google, and these guys weren't threatening me. They weren't doing anything bad. They were doing their jobs. You know, They were going to work and you know, making sure employees went through the entrances with their badges. So it just, it felt too real to be hurting these kinds of people. Yeah. And I'll I'll say real quick, going back to Red Dead, even though it's based, you know, in the Wild West, it kind of based in a reality, it's a reality that is uh, past tense. And so I think for me, when I was playing Red Dead, it was easy to feel that disconnect. Whereas if I was playing a game like Watch Dogs, which is more modern day, I I might have some of those similar feelings. But playing playing Red Dead almost felt like playing like you're playing an old Western movie. And so there there was a disconnect, even though it's like humans and, you know, but there was that disconnect. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way, but. That's how I feel with Assassin's Creed games. They're just hundreds of years ago, and some of the people you kill are probably just normal people. But I, you're right. I think it was that it was a modern setting and that it was totally relatable that that made my moral compass just go, this is wrong. Now, let me ask you this. Um, with a game like Uncharted, where you just mow down hundreds mm-hmm. of people <laughs> is there any thought there or is it more because you are supposed to be the good guy and they are supposed to be the bad guys whereas yeah, a game like the- watchdogs like you're saying it's it's a security guards it's not it's just a guy doing a job yeah i think the difference with those games is i know those guys are doing things that are illegal um, and hurting other people. They're kidnapping people a lot of times in those games. Um, but not always. I, there's definitely uh, moments in those games where um, you're, if you really step back and look at it, Nathan Drake and the enemy are really doing the same thing. They're just going after this treasure, right? And who's to say who, you know, who's the good guy and who's the bad guy? What, ba- ba- I mean, really, basically, one's just charismatic, I mean, that's yeah, really right. Nathan Drake. Yeah, he's doing just the same thing. You know, he's killing hundreds of people to get treasure, but he's charismatic and says something witty while he does it. So you're like, ah, we love him, you know. <laughs> Such a good point. Yeah, I'd have to. I haven't had those feelings playing that game like I did with Watch Dogs. But uh, I think if I sit back and think about it, it does feel wrong for Nathan that Drake to be killing all these people. And I'm trying to remember the movie because I did like the movie. Okay. Did he kill people in the movie? The um, Nathan Drake that was played by um, Tom Holland, or did he just knock out a lot of people? Cause I, I it was PG 13, I think. And I think that took out a lot, a lot of the deaths. Yeah. I'd have to go back and watch the movie, but I don't remember him like the video game. Just, you know, you know, and, and I, I should back up and say in the video game, they do make him really when you, listen to the story. He is the good guy and you know, the villains are, you know, more evil, but still when you kind of think about it, you're like, well, he's, 
killing hundreds of people. <laughs> Such a good uh, observation and question. Yeah, that, that's I'm going to be pondering that for the rest of the night. So um, while I'm thinking about that, what did you have another great or favorite moment of gaming besides Red Dead Redemption 2? Um, I had a couple things written down, but I will, uh, for time, kind of, I'm not going to go and talk about every single game I, I wrote down. Um, maybe just briefly, I, I did write down God of War Ragnarok. Absolutely loved it. I'm not going to have a whole lot to say there. I mean, we you already gave me a hard time about how I basically played the game wrong and it caused me to struggle, <laughs> uh, but still, still loved so it. Great. Um, but really, I think one of the other things, if I just look back at the last six months in gaming, um, that was kind of a turning point for me was having my steam deck meltdown basically. So I had a steam deck and at first I was, I don't want to say it was all roses, but I, I was happy with it. Um, it was something different for me because I've never had a Steam account, never had a single Steam game. And so I love the fact that I could find these games for some of them for like 99 cents. Newer stuff for more, you know, more modern prices. But you could find some games for really super cheap. And it was fun to, in handheld, play, you know, games like Tomb Raider or, um, gosh, I'm trying to remember the name of the Xbox 360 game I played on there. Um Mm, uh not uh dogs dog not watch dogs uh not sleeping dogs oh, sleeping dogs yeah, yeah of course um, which I, I loved so things were going okay with the steam deck however it was such a hassle at times to get games to work on there and then to get them to work well there's so many tweaking of settings beforehand that it just got to the point uh, and it was Red Dead. I couldn't get Red Dead Redemption 2 to work. And I would spend hours and hours and hours to the point where, like we talked about earlier, I finally was just like, I'm done with this. I listed it and I sold it within a day, two days, maybe total. I went from the point of saying I'm done with this to it being literally out of my possession. And what that did, though, was I realized the thing I loved about the Steam Deck was remote play. So I was like, instead of getting something where I'm going to have to tweak things and mess with it, I just want something more simpler. And I got that Logitech G Cloud, which has been awesome. It's not great for everyone. Uh, most people would look at this and say, why do you even need it? But for me, I've loved it so much. Uh, so having that meltdown then led me to get rid of that, get something more simpler, something where I can just focus on playing basically PS5 and xbox uh series games if that's what you even call them xbox series mm -hmm. i don't know x not xbox one it's i guess just xbox no, no, yeah. um i think but, it's just xbox games but yeah but yeah so um i have a question for you about the upcoming and we're, i'm jumping ahead a little bit and we'll go back but we, we are going to talk about upcoming games and tech and this was not on our list but you made me think about one of the upcoming techs that was announced recently is the handheld PlayStation 5. I don't know what the heck it is. I don't think they have a name for it. Do they? There was a code name and I've already I've already forgot it. But basically, it looks like a controller cut in half and then a screen stuck yeah. in the middle. Yeah. Yes. Now, the only reason I'm asking you this question is because earlier today you texted me and said, 
one of the things you love about playing on the PlayStation 5 is the haptics of the controller. Mm -hmm. So the, the fact that you love playing handheld, which basically that's all this device is so far. I, I, it doesn't have its own library or anything, right? It has to it streams it from the PlayStation 5 is how I understand it, but it right. does have all of those haptics. So knowing that, does that interest you at all? It should. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it, if that thing wasn't so stupid ugly, um, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yes, but you felt the same way. I remember distinctly when they announced the PlayStation 5 and they showed the controller, you were livid about the I way still that am. controller looked. I, I yeah, still don't own like it. And you play it. I, I do. Well, I know it's... But it's hideous. And I've... <laughs> I mean, I... I bought the D brand plates because I didn't want my system to have that, you know, lifted popped collar look to it. So I've, I've tried to do what I can to make it less ugly. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it's, it's funny, right? Xbox, I have no issues with it, but it's just a big clunky rectangle. It's just a big box. Like there's but it's a fridge. They they literally made a fridge. Out yeah. Of but to me, it's like I would rather have that than this something that looks like a, a UFO landed in your living room. Um, I just they I just are think such extremes, aren't they? Yes. The Xbox Series consoles and the PlayStation Five just couldn't be more different in terms of their style and design. And so I I could totally understand someone having the total opposite view of saying Xbox is too plain. Uh, PlayStation took a more artistic approach for me. I just don't like that look. And then having that handheld, which I know we're forgetting the name of whatever it's called, but where it basically does look like they took a saw, cut a controller in half and just glued each half onto a tablet. Uh, to me, it's just hideous looking. So yes, in theory, the idea of the haptics would be nice. I just like what I have and it works well. So I'm not interested in it. This conversation is going to end one of two ways. or going to age one of two ways. Either you're going to be saying the same things after it comes out, or you're going to hear all these great things about it. And we don't know a lot about it yet, so maybe it does have its own library coming to it. And so you may change your tune. So I'm curious to see how this conversation is going to age. From everything I've heard is that won't be the case. Is It's just a remote play device from what I've heard. Now, if if they changed it and they almost made it kind of like a Vita type thing, then yeah, maybe that would, you know, stir up some interest there. Um, but kind of going back to when we're talking about backlogs, even if it was like a Vita device, like I think I would still just want to play PS5 type stuff on it. And in that case, I already have a remote play device that I really like. Yes, it doesn't have the haptics, but what I mentioned, I think in our last episode was I prefer Xbox on remote play. I prefer yes. the user interface for the Xbox and just how quick and fluid and the fact that it doesn't power your Xbox all the way on. Um, so I've been leaning towards if it's a if it's a multi-platform game, I've been intentionally getting them on Xbox to remote play on my Logitech G Cloud. 
well, that was another reason why I asked that question because I was wondering if, well, maybe that's one of the things they fix because now you're talking about uh, two devices that are uh, manufactured by the same company. And so in theory, they should be able to talk to each other really, really well. And I'm wondering if that added um, layer of smooth transition between the two um, piques your interest at all. We'll have to see what. what okay, so 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 down. Brett, I, I'm going to throw you yeah. a total curveball right now. Okay, Ooh, this is not okay. all right. this is not Catch on you. our on our uh, template here on our outline for what we're supposed to talk about. But I'm just throwing you a curveball because it. we're having this conversation, and we've we've talked about this before. But if you had to pick and say I am a blank guy, would you say I am a Nintendo guy, I am a PlayStation guy, or I'm an Xbox guy? Because I know for me. I'm just going to answer this kind of first. It really depends on sometimes it depends on the actual game I'm playing at the time where I'm like, you know what? I really am a Nintendo guy <laughs> or sometimes <laughs> I'll be playing an Xbox game and I'm, I'm an Xbox guy or I'll be playing a, one of the really great PlayStation exclusives and I'll be like, you know, PlayStation's really wear it at. So for different reasons, I kind of wear different hats. But for you, if you had to pick, what would you pick mm. and why? I have so many answers to this question because let me just start with my core, my core gamer. I became a gamer because of Nintendo. In fact, I had never touched an Xbox or a PlayStation until I met you. You let me borrow your PlayStation 3. You unplugged it. You handed it to me. I took it home. I plugged it in and I played The Last of Us and the rest is history. So for that reason, my initial thought is, well, I'm a Nintendo guy. I was a Nintendo guy for decades, and I still absolutely love Nintendo. However, I think I would add an asterisk to that and say, now that I've been exposed to some of these other things, I've found some things I really, really like. And currently, I'm enjoying the games that are coming out on PlayStation. I think you're hearing that a lot from this generation is ever, pretty much ever since the uh, 360 generation, Xbox uh, had a, a lot of exclusives and great games on it, but they, they kind of lost their way uh, with the PlayStation 4. The PlayStation 4 just moved ahead and, and brought so many great uh, first-party exclusive games that the competition shifted over there. And so for me, it's really about, well, where are the games? I don't even really care. I am definitely not... a Nintendo Homer or an Xbox Homer or a PlayStation Homer, I'm going to go where the games are. And right now the games that I want to play are on the PlayStation. So I really have two answers. I have, you know, my historical answer is Nintendo. I know that's kind of cheating. And then my modern day answer is PlayStation. But I'm, I'm curious to see what Xbox has up their sleeves. Because if, you know, they're, they're putting all their money and gambling and into this cloud gaming. And if consoles disappear and everything goes on the cloud, just like music and uh, movies have done, then Microsoft is going to be where we're playing. So, because they, they are definitely ones investing in that and have that vision. So, I could change. I could be an Xbox guy in the future. You know, I, I wouldn't say you're cheating because you had two answers, and really, I have three, right? I, 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 oh. <laughs> I, I agree with you, maybe even four. I agree with you on the whole... Nintendo is my gaming roots, right? Uh, when mm -hmm. we when we were kids, there was no PlayStation until well, I think PlayStation came out when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. um, 
There was Sega, though. There was and Sega. my cousin was totally... He was a Sega guy, and I was a Nintendo guy, and we never got along. I mean, we got along, but not, not when we were talking about games, we didn't. Yeah. I l- there was just as much competition back then as there is now between Sony and Microsoft. I always liked Sega, but I was always in the Nintendo camp if I had to pick. Um, mm-hmm. So for nostalgia, Nintendo checks that box for me. Um, for innovation... Nintendo currently, you know, the Switch checks that box for me. Uh, for games like you, PlayStation checks that box for me. For hardware, uh, between the the series controller, the Elite controller, I should say, I've talked about the way that they do remote play and just just the way that I like things is Xbox. So. I always struggle. I ask myself this question too, like where would I lean? And I don't know. It really depends moment to moment. So I just, I just like video games and I like them all for different reasons. <laughs> and I think that nothing that, wrong with that, that kind of adds to the fun, right? Cause it's not just saying like, I really oh, like yeah. this and I really hate that. It doesn't have to be like, you know, Apple versus Android or Cubs versus white Sox or whatever. It doesn't have to be this epic battle. It's like, yeah, you could like different things for different reasons. It's fine. Well, since we both agree uh, about Nintendo, we might disagree a little bit about because I, I could push back a little bit on this, the hardware and software with the Xbox. And one one feature in particular that drives me nuts about the Xbox is game capture, capturing footage. Oh, and I just okay. feel like it works so much better on the PlayStation. Right. So anyway, I don't want to. There's a few others that drive me a little nuts with their software, their hardware, though. And you were kind of lumping them in one category. I agree with you about the hardware. Their systems run really well and quiet. Uh, something that I know drove you nuts was was the fan on the PlayStation. Was it your uh, 4 PlayStation Pro? Four Pro, PlayStation Four OG, PlayStation Three? Um, <laughs> Oops, I brought up a sore subject. I mean, the five mostly is quiet. Now, if I do remote play and if I forget to open the cabinet, that thing gets roaring. Whereas my Xbox Mm. series X has never for me, never made a peep. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So where I was going with this is since we both agree about Nintendo, I did want to share one more of my favorite gaming moments just real quickly, and then we'll move on. Yeah. Um, You shared two and, and I've shared one. So I want to just mention and give a huge shout out to Luigi's Mansion 3. Now, I know I haven't finished it yet, but something I haven't shared with you, Josh, is in our last episode, I told you one of my goals was to get caught up on the save file I lost. But I also mentioned to you I hadn't played it with Ruby. Well, we were on vacation last week, and Ruby and I played two more levels. And it, it... even though I played it to get caught up, that was more, I was going through the motions. I was just trying to just, I wasn't really paying attention. I was just, you know, trying to get that save file back. So I was, this this last week when I played those two missions, I was really enjoying it again and really just trying to take in the whole experience. And one thing I got to say about that game is it is, I don't know if it's underrated or if just Mario always gets the spotlight or if for me anyway, the last two Luigi Mansion games, the first one, on the GameCube, and I think the second one was on the DS. They weren't, for me, they weren't that great. This one, the word I'm going to use to describe it is, um, I was going to say character, but um, more like charisma or um, just the, the the cuteness. I hate to use that word, <laughs> but that's okay. I'm a, I'm a manly enough man that I can use the word cute here. It is so charismatic. I think that's what I was looking for. Just, I cannot wipe the smile off my face with 
all the little funny expressions that um, Luigi has and these these just teeny little jokes and interactions he has with the characters. It is just off the charts cute. It, if they turned this into a movie, I honestly think it would make more money than the Mario movie that came out. And the Mario movie set all these records for an animated movie. But man, the Mario movie was not as cute as Luigi's Mansions 3. So uh, there's my big um, controversial statement for the for the show. But man, it's so adorable. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's one of the things Nintendo does really well for as well as Xbox and PlayStation uh, do story and graphics and all these other things, which are very important. One of the things that Nintendo, I think, just just nails is charm. I think that's kind of a good oh, way of, a good of, of what you're oh. saying is, is there's just so much charm between the bright colors. Like you said, the just the little, little details they do that just make you happy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, most, not all Nintendo games, but most at least first party Nintendo games are kind of focused on that charm aspect. You know, that, that kind of, like you said, that cutesy aspect, you know, you look at Yoshi, you look at Mario Kart, Luigi's Mansion, all these games are just meant to put a smile on your face and 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 capture that childhood like feeling whereas playstation might be more like hey let's tell you an amazing story um so yeah there's there's definitely a lot to be said about nintendo um kind of knowing where their bread and butter is and i think that's with charm thank you for thinking of the word i was looking for charming is the perfect word to describe luigi's mansion 3 go play that everybody all right well we got one more section we're gonna close out this episode and talk a little bit about the next six months tell us what we're gonna be talking about next yeah, so next, because like we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, is how we wanted to see what's kind of around the corner. So we wanted to talk for a few minutes about the games that are coming out or have come out that we haven't played that we're looking forward to. So I will let you go first. What is around the bend for you? Well, I have said this for years. At one time, my favorite game... And, sorry, let me start over. One of the things you and I have done before this show, not only have we set goals before this show about gaming, we also like to make our top 10 and our top three lists every year of all time, right? right. Of all the consoles, back from when we were kids. And it's so fun because every year it changes and, and sometimes our number one game of all time surprises each other. Well, one year, my number one game of all time, and it's still in my top three, is Alan Wake. And... We, we, I, we have to I have to say this for the listeners that it doesn't necessarily mean it's the greatest game ever made. I, I know Alan Wake is not the greatest game ever made, but we, we factor in when we're making these lists, nostalgia, um, how it hit us at the time, um, what was going on in our lives and all these different things and why, why that game meant so much to us. And I, I don't want to go into all that now, but Alan Wake uh, really... Um, meant so much to me in gaming you introduced me to modern gaming like i mentioned a minute ago with the last of us but um that was you showing me some great games and while i loved those games alan wake i found on my own later like it was the first game i found of the modern era that i felt like 
this is this is for me and then i just love horror john the genre too and i know that sounds weird but um and i love a good um uh, uh, you wouldn't know by the way i talk because i stutter and can't come up with the right words hence i couldn't think of the word um charming just a minute ago um but um, i love a good constructed sentence you know that just sounds and smooth and and the dialogue in this because the character Alan Wake is a writer it's just so awesome the way that, that it's written so I've said for years please make an Alan Wake 2 and I, I don't think Remedy had the rights to it I think Microsoft owned Remedy or something like that and they weren't letting them make it to even though um can't remember the name of the guy who who is the creative director there but he wanted to make one I think it's Sam Lake Sam Lake, yeah. And so I thought the project was dead in the water. In fact, they started making Alan Wake 2, and I think Microsoft put a stop to it, and it came out as this weird... I don't think it was a DLC. It was this short... Um, was it an online-only game? It was the... Yeah, it was Al- Alan Wake American American Nightmare, I think it was called. Yeah. It was, I almost it was said American Wasteland, like- which is a Tony Hawk game. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good mix of games. And I know I'm going on and on about this because I'm just so excited that Alan Wake 2 is actually happening. And I was a little nervous when they announced it because they said they were heading in a different direction. And they are. Um, but man, the most recent gameplay I saw of that where you're the two different characters um, had totally has sucked me in. And I, this is the game I've been waiting for pretty much for I don't know how long it's been since it came out. I want to say 10 years, but it's been a while. Might be more than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm, I'm definitely on board. I think it, I can't remember if it was summer game fest or where they showed it first, but I remember, I think it was summer game fest, but I remember watching it and any of those like shows, I generally don't watch live. I'll watch them after the fact. And you have like three seconds to get my attention when it's a trailer. Otherwise I'm fast forwarding, <laughs> right? Like if, if I just know right away, it's not something yeah, for me, I'll just fast true. forward. Uh, now, obviously I wasn't going to put Alan Wake two on such a short leash just because I love the original Alan Wake, just like you do. Um, but yeah, that one was one that I was just paying so much careful attention to. And when they kind of talked about this back and forth of, the being the two different characters, the way that it is woven into the story just looks really intriguing. So I'm, I'm gosh, I'm right with you. I am so excited for this game. I'm so happy that it's happening. Alan Wake was one of, it might've been the first game that I ever got DLC. I'm not positive, but if not the first, it was one of the first where I got the DLC and where I just couldn't put the game down. One of the things I was thinking about when you were talking about the story is you mentioned like the well-constructed sentence, but not only that, I thought the voiceover work was just excellent. And I'm not normally like, I'm not a voiceover guy necessarily, but listening to a lot of married to the games where you have, Gabe and Ed both who are in the voiceover field. And that's one of the things that they will point out is when there's a good voiceover. I just love uh, what they've done with the main character. Just, I don't know, just the way that he sounds, the way that he expresses things. It's just, it's just superb. Like I can't gush about this game enough. I'm glad that you're looking forward to it as well. Cause I'm really looking forward to talking 
with you about this game. So that's my first game that I'm excited for. What caught your interest? You mentioned Summer Games Fest, but there's been some other um, uh, sh uh, shows and things like that, companies showing off their upcoming games. And we're just talking about games that are coming out this year in 2023, but what's caught your eye first? Yeah, so I, I obviously chimed in and said yes to Alan Wake 2. That was on my list as well. I won't say anything else there. Uh, the next game that I wrote down is actually a game that is already out. And this is going to be kind of a, a weird pick for me, and I'll explain why. But the game is AEW Fight Forever. It is a wrestling game. Now, if you listen to the podcast, you know I like wrestling games. But there's a big caveat there. When I was a kid, I was really into wrestling. Uh, just really loved it. Loved the characters, the storylines, the video games, everything. I have not watched wrestling since August of 2000. And <laughs> you I'm, know the month. Yeah, well, <laughs> I do. Um, and, and I'm not really interested in going back to watching wrestling. So the fact that AEW is a new wrestling company, I don't know how long they've been around, a couple of years, I think. I mean, I, I, I hear things kind of from the outside about wrestling, but I don't really follow it. Um, so it's weird that I would pick a wrestling game, but there's a reason. AEW Fight Forever is made by THQ, the people who made the old Nintendo 64 games. And the ones that the ones that I absolutely the 64 love. wrestling games, there are 64 wrestling, wrestling games? games. Yes. Like WCW okay. versus NWO World Tour, WCW versus uh, NWO Revenge, WrestleMania 2000. The really classic Nintendo 64 games. I still play. I still pop them in whenever I want that quick fix because they just have an excellent engine. Yeah. Yeah. The polygons are blocky. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just it's an old game, but the engine is just so good and it's such an easy game to pick up and play uh i've heard that this is basically like a newer version of that now i'm not going to know the characters i'm not going to know the storylines i think i know two characters chris jericho and sting because those were both guys that were wrestling back when i was watching they're still uh hanging around so there's part of me that's like uh do i pick this up because i'm not going to know anything but i think I think it's one that I'll probably get at some point, probably sooner than later. I mean, I've been like debating for the last couple of days. Like, do I just go pick it up and just try it out? Cause I really do just want to <laughs> just give it a go. Uh, let me ask you, what is it? What is playing this game look like for you? Cause the other game you played earlier in the year, the um, other wrestling game, I can't remember what it was called. I think it was on the GameCube. Dave reckoning. It had yeah. a Dave reckoning. It had a story mode. So do all wrestling. I, I don't know anything about wrestling games do that does this one have a story mode it, or would it just be a pick and play where you just play some matches or what it does have a story mode from what i've uh seen i've watched a few reviews um and i would guess i would play that maybe i, I don't know uh so story mode now is pretty common in in any modern and even some of the older ones back in the day not so much uh like the old nintendo 64 games you would just like fight for the belt and maybe you'd have to beat like eight or 10 guys to win the championship belt. Um, almost kind of like moral combat where you kind of have to climb the ladder of beating all the, the guys to, to beat the game. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like that, but now yes, there is in a lot of these wrestling games, kind of a story mode where a lot of them is start at the bottom and work your way up. I actually just the other day. So I think I told you before that I got a, a modded 
PS2 that has basically the entire PS2 library on it. Well, I was tinkering with it. And so, of course, I popped in a wrestling game. I played, I think it was SmackDown 2011, maybe. Of course you did. And and so I just started playing one of their modes where it was like, I think it was called Road to WrestleMania. And I played the first match was all. Um, Now, that wasn't kind of a all the way bottom working your way up to the top. But it's basically just like you pick a main character and just have to go through a bunch of matches on your way to earning a shot for the title. Um, so yeah, there is some sort of story mode. I don't really know a whole lot about it though. Cool. Well, I hope you pick it up sooner than later. Cause I'd love to, I love, I love to hear you geek out over wrestling games, even though, even though you don't watch wrestling anymore, that's, that's, that's great. <laughs> that you still love. And there's probably, probably wrestling fans that are like, what is wrong with you, Josh? You love, you know, playing <laughs> these games, but yet you don't know the characters don't know the story. So yeah, I'm kind of weird yeah. that way. I just, I still enjoy, you know, throwing, throwing a guy into a turnbuckle or doing a body slam, whatever it is. It's just fun. Oh, that's great. Do you know if these, this company has made wrestling games since the N64 or is this, a, are these coming back to it after a lot of years of being away from wrestling games? I, I think they have made others, but this one was specifically made to have that same feel. They kind of went away from that style and that feel um, mm. and that kind of similar engine. This is supposed to be basically like a throwback as far as from everything I've heard. Everyone mm-hmm. compares them to those old games, which you don't have so much in, in other more modern wrestling games. Yeah. Well, that's the theme that's kind of going around in my next game, and I'm only going to touch on really quick because we'll talk about it in future episodes, is Assassin's Creed Mirage. But that's the thing you keep hearing about that game is that it's a throwback to, and I read something else about uh, another Assassin's Creed game that hasn't been announced yet that is going to be in the style of Odyssey and Valhalla, which is the big, huge RPG open world that um, has... I don't want to say it's come out with mixed reviews because people still love those games, but people really love the original style of the Assassin's Creed games. Uh, a little, a little more—they're not linear because they're open world, but less of the RPG element. And so um, that is definitely a game I am looking forward to. I'm adding it to my yearly goals. We mentioned a minute ago, and I've already pre-ordered it. So that game looks beautiful. I know it's going to play well because they use this. A similar engine or the similar uh i don't know exactly what what engine they use but it, it works for me i do really like the gameplay I, I, I remember when those games first came out assassin's creed one and two and there was so much complaint about your character not climbing things correctly and jumping off things and going in weird directions and um i replayed them recently and it it felt great to me i mean uh i think it was more of you had to really just kind of learn um, how to point the camera, to be honest. It, it was a, l- a little sensitive in the early days if your camera wasn't quite centered toward the obstacle you wanted to parkour on, that you might go to a different obstacle. And so, but it wasn't um, it wasn't glitchy. And that's how I thought people all, uh, always um, emphasized the, the problem with the parkour is that it was glitchy. And it wasn't that, it was just, it was sensitive to the camera angles is, ha- is how I felt it played. And, um, but anyway, they've cleaned a lot of that up. And so you've got, you're kind of going back to the old style without the RPG, but hopefully the, the controls are a, a lot tighter and 
I can't get over how beautiful that game looks. The colors, and when you're going back, you know, to uh, Baghdad, and I can't remember what century it is in, but um, that those cultures are already kind of known for their um, their art and their and their architecture and, and their, their colorful culture, and so that really comes out in the game. And I'm really excited to experience that part of the world and be um, in an Assassin's Creed game again. Is this one that you want to play? Because you've played some of the more modern Assassin's Creed games. Um, I, I will say this, and before you even ask the question, I was I was thinking about this. I think for right now, I will kind of take the same approach as you playing Cyberpunk, where I want to hear mm. all about it, and I, I might mm-hmm. get to it at some point. Like It's definitely on the radar, um, but there's, for me right now, just too many other things to say that I would get to it this year. Um, mm-hmm. So... I'm very intrigued by it. Probably won't probably won't play it this year, but I'm going to be intently listening to all your thoughts on it. Now that, that reminds me you um, I mentioned you'd played the more modern games. That's, that's actually not true. You've only played one of the, uh, what I meant to say was you played a lot of the Assassin's Creed games, but the modern three, the three that are really heavy in RPG. I think you've only played Odyssey, not Odyssey, origins origins right yeah and then there's odyssey and then there's valhalla and one of the things that was you've mentioned was intimidating about those games is that because they're rpg they're huge they're 100 hour games right so i am hearing that mirage is going back to kind of the 20 30 hour range so my question to you is would you feel like because I know you really wanted to play Odyssey, but you felt like you had to play Origins first. Right. You feel like you have to play those other RPG games, or is Mirage one that you know because it's shorter and doesn't connect to that RPG world as much? You could just grab this one without playing the others. Yeah, I, I think I think I would be more likely to play Mirage before I play Odyssey or Valhalla, uh, even though everyone just says nothing but great things about Odyssey. So there's part of me that's like, well, it looks like an amazing game, but I, I, there's just only so many hundred hour games I can fit in. And, and then there's all these other short games too, that I want to play. So it's, I think there's a good likelihood that I won't ever play Valhalla or Odyssey, but I think there's a good likelihood that I'd play Mirage. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and there's a lot of rumors out right now because we're talking about the next six months. But looking further ahead than that, that Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag might get a remake. Yeah, that one you would play. Yeah, I love Black Flag. I think so. Um, I mean, cause it's one of my all time favorite uh, Assassin's Creed. I mean, it is my favorite Assassin's Creed game. I think that's easy for me to say. Uh, yeah, so, I think yeah, most people would say that's the best one. Yeah, that or two. Yeah. And two, two I've never beat. Like two is so good. I've played it through halfway three times. That's that's my that's my <laughs> oh. one game that that keeps I keep starting and that's, stopping. That's your Watchdogs two it game. It is. Yeah. It definitely is. Hey, it's a great feeling to finally check that sucker off, having just experienced it recently. So maybe I'll make I'll throw that out as a challenge to you uh, on one of your side quests to finally finish Assassin's Creed two. You got this. Well, what other, uh, any, do you want to highlight one more game that's coming out 
that you're excited about? Yeah, there, there's, there's one on your list. I want to hear you talk about. There's one. Well, you, you want to talk about more? Go for it. There's two big ones, and I, All right, um, let's hear them. I, I'm j- just basically going to talk about one. The other, uh, I'll say real quickly, Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, still haven't played that, and I'm a little worried that it might be bumped to next year. I mean, I say worried like it's fine. Um, I played Breath of the Wild a year later. It was totally fine. I loved every second of it. It no no problem waiting a year, in my opinion. I think you're fine. Yeah, and it's going to be a classic no matter what, it, right? It, Zelda games I, hold. Yes, up I for I know I'll love it, but I want to play it at a point where I don't feel pressure to rush through it. So that's all I'll kind of say about Tears of the Kingdom. Is really looking forward to it, but not a whole lot to say there. The game that that I talked about earlier in the podcast, I'm trying to clear my deck for is Starfield. Um, Starfield to me is checking just about as far as from what I've seen so far is checking every box for me. Um, if you're looking through the video version, I'm wearing a fallout shirt. I love that intentional. No, it wasn't. Um, that's good though. That's a good uh, tie in fallout Four. If we're talking like all time favorite games, fallout four is you know, somewhere in my top five or 10 at, at the, at the worst, it's a top 10, uh, just absolutely loved fallout four. Now I hadn't played a fallout game before then I've gone back and played a little bit of three. Um, and I, I never played fallout 76 and I, I kind of regret that. Like I, I, I want to, um, but fallout four was a game that when it came out, it grabbed my attention and I was just so hooked. I remember when it came out, I was listening to a, I think it was an IGN podcast, but it was a dedicated fallout Four podcast. I, so I was listening to that as I was playing it, I was watching videos. It was one of those where I just couldn't get enough of it when I wasn't playing it. I was thinking about it type thing, you know, strategizing in my head, trying to decide which faction I would, you know, align with and how I wanted to build my base just everything about it was just so much fun to me. I love the world. I love the music. Yes, it was glitchy. It wasn't a perfect game, but it was a game that for me was just about perfect. Um, Now, Starfield is made by Bethesda, the same people that made Fallout, and watching the deep dive into Starfield it had that fallout feel to it. Like you can tell it's made by the same people, but it, it felt like it was fallout in space, but not just fallout in space, but so much more. Um, yeah, so much more. And and I'm so, I just started to interrupt because I just want to put a plug for people if they haven't watched the deep dive. And what it was is after the, there was the Microsoft conference where they talked about Starfield and gave it, you know, 10, 15 minutes or whatever, but then there's like a 45 minute after party, so to speak, uh, where they just go into so many elements of it. And I didn't know about that. You told me about that. And I went and watched that and was totally enthralled. And I agree 100 percent with with what you said, that it feels like Fallout in terms of some of the some of the unique elements that are in Fallout that you just don't see in other games. But so much more, so much right. more expansive, yeah, it, so it, many new ideas, too. It kind of looks like it has that same Fallout engine, which I love, um, but yet it felt like so, like they took so many aspects of so many good games and just kind of perfected them. Uh, 
earlier in the year, I talked about playing No Man's Sky and how that hit me at the right time. Uh, this looks like such a better version. There, there's resource gathering in this game, but yet the fighting to me kind of gave me some Destiny vibes. I don't know if you kind of got the same vibes, but but yeah, the kind of kind of the space fighting gave me some some Destiny throwback vibes. Like I said, I already said the engine kind of gave that Fallout vibe, but it just it had so many different aspects to it of all these different games. And it kind of just felt like they were like, okay, what, what do we love in gaming? And can we kind of all meld it together? And it just did it in a way that it didn't feel like it was a copycat of anything necessarily, but it just, it just looked great. Um, Mm -hmm. And and it looks like one of those games too, that um, you could spend hundreds of hours in and you could go totally deep into like building your your spaceship but yet if it's something that you didn't want to do or didn't want to do too much of it it didn't necessarily look like it would hinder your gameplay if you kind of skimped on on some of those aspects and i like that because you it looks like it's tailored to you you can take this total deep dive and make this a game that you play for the next five years or not that it's going to be short, but, or you could probably, you know, if that's overwhelming, you could skimp on some of those things and still have an excellent story. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things I loved about fallout four that I didn't see in the deep dive, or maybe I just wasn't paying close enough attention was the, the options for different stories, which led to, you mentioned the factions, you could join different factions, but as you join these different factions, it opened up whole new storylines that had drastically different endings. And I actually got the platinum trophy for fallout four. And one thing I remember about that is I had to go back to a previous save because one of the things you had to do was achieve four of the main endings. Right. And you couldn't, once you made certain choices, there was no going back. And so I had to kind of, like I said, open up an old save file and make a different choice. So is there, I didn't, I didn't see any of that in the deep dive, but that's something I absolutely loved about fallout four. Did you see any of that in Starfield? It, it does look like it has that those same type of dialogue trees. Um, yeah, I saw I that, tell. but so I was wondering I'm... if it's, if the, 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 um, uh, if this stakes are as high as far as when you make a decision, does it really affect the outcome and the, and the plot? Yeah, I, I don't remember, but just from the fact that it has the dialogue trees and knowing that it's a Bethesda game, that's kind of one of their staples. I would assume you're going to have all these different options of, of the story can go so many different ways. I just think that's just the way that they're going to, that, that they make their games. So I, I'm assuming there, but yeah, I, I don't know for certain, but I think that's going to be there. Mm-hmm. This is one I am looking forward to as well. I This might be my Tears of the Kingdom where I might not get to it this year because I'm now a lot of these games we've mentioned are coming out September, October, November, kind of that, that time period. So I've pre-ordered three games that come out in that time period. Alan Wake 2, Assassin's Creed Mirage, and Spider-Man 2, which we haven't even touched on. Which is crazy, right? Because Spider-Man <laughs> right? 2 is going to be awesome. And we're not... Yeah, it's going to be totally awesome. The fact that that's got bumped from our conversation, I mean, any other time, Spider-Man would be a huge focus. And that is one that I'm definitely looking forward to. But yeah, that just shows... 
how crazy this fall is going to be. Yeah. So of those three games that I pre-ordered, I'm thinking each of them is a 20 to 30 some odd hour game. And like you mentioned, Starfield might maybe be able to get through in 30 to 50 hours, but it's more likely going to be a hundred hour game. And I'm just not, I'm not seeing, I would rather play three new games I'm excited about than one longer game that I'm excited about. That makes sense. You know, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I saw someone, someone today, on social media that mentioned that they're going to wait on Starfield and probably play it next year just because um, they wanted to see if there's any patches. And it's like, you know, that's not a bad approach on such a huge game. There's, it's probably going to be a better version of itself six months to a year from now, if it's like any other modern big open world game. Uh, hopefully not like hopefully it doesn't come out buggy but right like you might not yeah you might be getting the best version by waiting well you make a good point that those big games and bethesda has had a history of having bugs in games for sure and taking some some slack for it nowhere near as bad as what happened to poor cyberpunk but the the connection i'm making here is that i just started cyberpunk last um, month and that was a train wreck you can play that on modern consoles um and it's i haven't had it's smooth as butter josh and that i was not expecting the gunplay in that to be so much fun talking about destiny it had a little bit of a destiny vibe to it with how good the gunplay felt now nothing's as good as destiny as far as gunplay in my opinion now i know call of duty is probably uh superior but i just don't play those games but man destiny was so good but i was feeling that with uh with cyberpunk and another game we haven't talked about uh, speaking of glossing over games, we, we glossed over Spider-Man 2, but there's the um, Cyberpunk DLC that's coming out, which is the whole reason I picked up Cyberpunk, because that looked so good. Yeah, it did. It really did. Uh, any other honorable mentions you you want to throw out there before we wrap up this mid-year review? Uh, not necessarily coming out anytime soon, but if if I had to throw an honorable mention, it would be uh based in rumors and that's the rumors of either or i've heard a rumor of a red dead redemption one remake and i've heard a separate rumor i think the remake is more likely but i've heard a separate rumor of a red dead redemption three uh so either or uh i would be i'd be excited about those if either of those get officially announced, I am dropping every game and playing Red Dead Redemption 2 because if I don't play it immediately and those games come out, I will be so far behind in the Red Dead universe. Right now, it's, it feels like a small universe. The first one and, the, and two, right? But right. If they add those other games you're talking about, and I have played one, but I'd love to play the remake of it too. I, I, I had to have to play Red Dead 2 so I wouldn't be too far behind that. I, it just feels overwhelming because that's kind of how Metroid and Assassin's Creed felt. I was just oh so far behind that. I didn't even want to play these games. And, uh, but to, you know, I've been able to do it with those games. So I'm sure I could do it with red dead, but I don't want to get behind the eight ball too far. That's a great honorable mention let we've talked a lot about destiny and comparing it to other games. So let me just throw out my honorable mention. My honorable mention is destiny. The final shape. Destiny is one of these games that I love and hate at the exact same time. Every time I'm playing it, the story's not great, um, but the 
gunplay is so good. Um, I have so much fun playing um, raids and um, and and those kinds of things. But to get up to that level where your character's leveled up enough to do a raid, it just takes too much time these days. I can't do it. So I have been playing all of the DLCs just to make sure I stay connected to that world. But what happens every time this drives me nuts is I start playing a Destiny game. I finish the expansion as far as the story goes, and I love it so much. I'm having so much fun with it. I think to myself, okay, I'm going to level up my character to start a raid, and the grind just gets to me. After playing it for you know a couple weeks or a couple months, I'm like, I, I'm nowhere near getting powerful enough to do a raid, and I've just been grinding at this, and it's sucking up all my... Uh, time so that's the that's the thing i hate about it so i've just taken the approach now that um i'm gonna play this the expansions get in get out well i didn't play lightfall because the last expansion before that was the witch queen and i was just so tired of the grind and i thought i had finally said no to destiny well they announced that they're bringing back a very beloved character cade six who was voiced uh, in some of the um, games by Nathan Fillion, who absolutely loved. You talked a little bit earlier about the great voice acting in um, Alan Wake. Uh, I, the, the voice acting that Nathan Fillion did for Destiny as the character Cade 6 is also phenomenal, and I'm so excited he's back. So I am, as an honorable mention, probably going to play that. It's called The Final Shape, but I do need to play Lightfall first. So I might hold off next year and play the final shape uh, next year. But um, actually, I don't even know if it's coming out. In, it is coming out in 2023. But I'll probably play Lightfall before the end of the year. So that's my honorable mention. And I do have to show you one thing. Okay. I've always wanted a Cade 6 trophy. And I, I know you can't see this. But I picked up this just a month ago. I have been wanting this particular Cade 6 trophy. If For those of you who can't see it, he's got his... Uh, thumbs up a lot of these trophies you know they're holding a weapon and this is what i love about Cade six is he's like he's got his weapon holstered and he's got his thumb up and he's just like everything's cool man you know he's just he's just a he's a character that just goes with the flow and is funny and doesn't take himself too seriously and and he's not a playable character right because i i mean i played i played destiny one i played a little bit of two but it's been a long time isn't he um like a weapons dealer is that what he is no he is one of the um vanguard that uh he's on like the the council there's different factions that you can be uh, three different factions and he was kind of at one time kind of one of the leaders of one of the factions okay and um and i don't get into the stories too much the lore is so deep i'm probably slaughtering the lore but i just liked him because he was funny um, and, and so well, um, acted, but this particular trophy went out of print because the character wasn't in the game anymore. And I kept looking at the price and it just kept going up. It was originally $60 and it was a hundred dollars and it was $200. And I was so mad. I didn't buy it back when it was 60 bucks. Well, Bungie must have printed more of these or something with the announcement of Cade six, because I happened to see that they had listed it was back in stock and only on their website. You still can't get it on Amazon for a good price. And so I immediately bought this bad nice. boy and it came in the mail the other day. And so it's sitting proudly on the shelf behind me, Mr. Cade six. Well, and if you don't act fast in those things, like uh, Starfield came out with uh, 
I think it was called the Constellation Edition, the one that had like the smartwatch and everything. And there's oh, yeah. there's part of me that that wanted to get that, and I didn't jump on it. <laughs> and now, if I wanted to get it in the secondary market, I'd probably be paying like an extra hundred bucks. And I'm not gonna lie, I've thought about it, but it's kind of ridiculously expensive. So probably I've heard that smartwatch is really good looking. I need to go Google it. I haven't it, seen what it looks it like. It looks awesome. I, I don't know as far as actual smartwatches go, if it would be any good, probably not. It's probably very basic. Um, But I tried to, after they announced it, I tried to go on some tech uh, channels on YouTube and see if there's any sort of like deep dive into the smartwatch. And there really wasn't. So it probably is just going to push notifications and tell you the time, but, uh, (laughs) but I, I'm, this is off topic, but I'm an Android guy, as you know, wearing my, you know, Samsung galaxy watch here. And one of the things that Apple does so much better is the Apple watch is just better than any Android watch. And I can, you know, I can admit that. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe it wouldn't be that bad. Who knows? Well, and that's why I didn't catch my attention because I am an Apple watch guy and, uh, if I'm going to buy a collector's edition, I want something I can put on my shelf, not on my wrist. And especially yeah. if it's, I'm never oh, going to use I, it. I like, I like the look of it. Like I would totally, I would totally wear that thing out in public. And it'd be one of those things where it, it, most people would just view it as a watch. But when you'd find someone that would recognize it, like, you know, it's, it's almost, you know, when you wear a gaming shirt, but when you almost wear like an obscure one, yes. if someone can notice it, that's like an immediate, like they get some, some cred there. Uh, if, yeah, yeah. if they can tell what your shirt is. So yeah, your fallout shirt, when that fallout forward went back in its heyday, uh, that was not a recognizable character unless you played the game. And I had a fallout shirt like that. And I, I got a lot of, um, compliments or just people, recognizing it and saying something and it was always really cool to be like yeah that guy it is yeah it it is fun and gamers love to when they see another gamer you know out in the wild they love to you know if you're wearing a shirt say like hey man i love your shirt you know so that's always kind of a fun thing but i kind of had the same thought about the watch what my favorite gaming shirt i ever got you got me for my birthday one year and it was a mashup it was um destiny was actually Cade six that's right yeah but he had the ghost held up above him the same way that um, Link has the little fairy yeah. that, that follows him around and helps him. And the art style of K6 was in the style of Zelda. Yeah. And I love that shirt because I got so many compliments because people knew it was a mashup, it was a combination of Zelda and Destiny. And if they, you know, if people can put those two together, I'm like, okay, you're pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That was a fun one. Well, um, I did want to ask, since you brought it up, about the uh, watch. One thing that's interesting to me is that Bethesda has had, for their collector's edition, wearables. Do you remember the Pip-Boy? Yes, I do. It was the collector's edition? Yes, I... Now, describe the Pip-Boy for those who don't know what it is. Uh, It's an abomination on your wrist. (laughs) (laughs) So we... So at least they've upgraded now that they're they're putting out a watch with Starfield that's not an abomination. Why is it such an abomination? Well, it basically it basically looked like a trash can on your wrist. Like it's this <laughs> huge tube, right? It was as big as a trash can. It was yeah. huge. Yeah. 
Yeah, and but I, it's something that the character wears in the game. Yes, and they made a physical version of it that you could buy and wear around. I don't know if I ever saw anyone actually wearing it. In oh public. I think no! Most put it on their shelves. No, yeah, but that would be pretty funny. I'd like to do some gag reels. Well, I, I think it was that. made that you could put an iPhone in it. And then you could get the yeah. app so that you could like scroll through and make it like yeah, a quote unquote it was actually functional, usable, right? a functional Pip Boy <laughs> of sorts. Um, Go Google Pip Boy because you need to see this if you don't know what it is. Yeah. And uh, the wearable one, it's ridiculous. Well, and then for Fallout 76, the collectible was um, the uh, the helmet, the the armor helmet, which that thing was awesome i didn't get the pit boy i didn't get the helmet but i'm telling you if i ever see those for a halfway decent price on the secondary market i would probably pick them up and throw them on the shelf well we need to make some predictions at a future show of what we think the collectible will be for the next skyrim because of course that's the next big bethesda game probably and they've been working on that for decades it feels like and if if uh if they hold suit then they are going to create a wearable and i can only imagine what a wearable from that universe kind of this fantasy dragon middle ages universe yeah like would they give you like a a cloak a sword like yeah who knows (laughs) oh man that'd be fun well speaking of fun this has been a very fun i'm glad we did this for our mid-year review even though i'm now four levels behind but uh the conversation was fun the outcome not so much but it's inspired me to go out and finish the year strong yeah, same, same with me. And it's always it's always good to whether it's just our monthly ones or just to have this check in. It's uh, it always helps me either stay on track or get back on track. Um, but Brett, in life, there are glass joes and there are king hippos. You don't have to be either. Set your goals, get going, and come along with us as we strive to be both fit dads and game dads until next time couple weeks which is soon couple weeks we'll see you later